Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. These are the games you, uh, you honestly you know, dream about. Um, growing up, watching Sunday Night Football, um, last week playing on Monday. Um, you know, these, these are the games that you want to be a part of. And uh, to be a part of these games, you got to win, you got to keep winning. Usually winning games like this, that's the reality. You know, we usually win these close matchups. We've done it for years, um, you know. And so, you know, our, our, our confidence and our, and our vision and, our, and who we're going to be and who, we're, who we are doesn't change. Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, they gave us a Sunday night football game for the ages, Chris, and an observation Matt Casey made just as that was rolling from Kyler Murray, growing up watching Sunday Night Football. Kyler Murray had just turned nine when Sunday Night Football became the primary destination of the week for the NFL and moving it from ABC or ESPN to NBC and uh, Monday Night Football then became the cable product. Just unbelievable. But uh, Kyler Murray grew up a Russell Wilson fan, too. There was a yeah. an image making the rounds of Murray watching Wilson wearing a Wilson jersey, and last night, Kyler Murray extended his record against Russell Wilson to two and one with that overtime win all the way down to the final seconds of overtime. We're going to be talking about that and plenty more. First of all, let me just point out the show is Pro Football Talk Live. We're on Peacock. Hello, Sirius XM two eleven. Hello, NBCSN at nine Eastern. Future hello. UK, Ireland, 7 o'clock prime time, even more, more future, future hello, hello. and podcast right. whenever, you, whenever you choose to listen to us. Chris, how are you? I'm doing good. Present, how are you doing? Wait. Present hello. Present immediate hello, hello. Right? Immediate hello. Monday morning. Did you wear that shirt last night on the show? No. Okay. No. no. Okay. I know we got a different shirt. All right. Good. I just wanted to make sure. I don't know. I couldn't remember exactly what you wore last night, but good job by you because you knew I was going to be it, checking that out. It was blue. It was blue. It, it may be it may be the exact same model, but it's not the same shirt. Okay, I guarantee it. All right, good, All right. good to hear. Way to go, man. Although I I probably should have. I I I didn't think to do it. Just just to like I don't know why it bothers you. 
I don't know why you care. I don't. Yeah, I mean, you, I just like you, to make you, fun you, of you, you and give you a hard yeah, time. You, yeah, you you wore what you slept in, and you're giving me a hard time about my shirt. How dare you talk about my designer hoodie that way? <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's get to the game that finished the day. And it's funny, as we watch the games, we prioritize what are we going to talk about first, what are we going to talk about first, and there's always that possibility Sunday Night Football is going to trump everything, and last night it did, 37-34 in overtime. And I'll tell you, I was feeling good about pulling what I call the hole-in-one when you pick the score exactly. I had Seahawks 34, Cardinals 27. It's 34-24. They're lining up for the field goal. They make the field goal 34-27. Oh, but wait, the leverage penalty extended that drive. That was the turning point. That was the moment that the door opened for the Cardinals because they parlayed that into a touchdown that that made it a three-point game. And then to their defense's credit, their much maligned defense's credit, yeah. shut them down the rest of the way in regulation. Overtime twice. Stop the Seahawks and Russell Wilson twice in overtime. Are you kidding me? Right. And then and then they get the, the walk-off to win it with 15 seconds left in overtime. I thought we were going to have a tie. I'm glad there wasn't a tie. It was an exciting game to watch, and it was great to see Kyler Murray get the win over his boyhood idol. Yeah, well, it definitely is. I mean, it, he's just an exciting player to watch. I mean, that was a fun game to watch because the two quarterbacks, yeah, they can beat you in the pocket doing all those things, but it's all the off-schedule, crazy playmaking stuff they do and the and the jams they get out of consistently you know, throughout the game. I mean, Mike, you're right. That was a, a huge moment of the game. Because it's you know it's just going to be a different story where oh we kick a field goal now all right we're going to have to kick the ball off to Seattle yeah we might have our timeouts and blah 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 but at the same time yeah you're still going to have to go score a touchdown and you know I guess I look at Seattle a little bit too at the end of the football game especially at the end of regulation one of the things that jumps out to me you know we've had this conversation through the years with other great quarterbacks. You know, what? Why, why the foot off the gas pedal so much? You know, the team is built around the offense, and then all of a sudden we know the defense stinks. It stinks. They're coming back. It stinks. It stinks. Oh, let's run the ball and see if our defense can make a stop. Well, what? No, your defense is having trouble making any stops all year long. I was a little surprised by that at the end of the game, especially when we got into the third and two situation, that at least we didn't see a Russell Wilson anything just the ball in his hands run throw whatever it may be he's the best player on the team he's the best player on the field he comes through that way I just shot I was a little shocked by that approach by the the Seahawks at the end let me make an observation that just crystallized because yeah. I was as I was watching the game last night Russell Wilson seemed less explosive to me than usual Right. And I think it's because he was playing Kyler Murray. I, that's I think exactly that's, what the, that's the explanation. That's all there like, is. When, when you put him on the same field with Kyler Murray on the same night, all of a sudden the stuff Russell Wilson does doesn't seem as special as it does against a Tom Brady or somebody who has less mobility. But he wasn't as zip away and gone. Right. You saw him get swallowed up several times, which is, is uncharacteristic anyway, but it's even more uncharacteristic on a night where – there are 48 passes thrown by Kyler Murray, and he doesn't get hit a single time because they cannot touch him. No. Well, I mean, Mike, I mean, Russell Wilson's fast. He's not on the same level as Kyler Murray. I mean, Kyler Murray is, you know, I, I mean, him, Michael Vick, Lamar Jackson, they're the three fastest quarterbacks ever. There's no doubt about that. And as far as acceleration is concerned, I don't know if anybody can accelerate the way Kyler Murray can. I mean, I'm talking about anybody. I don't care receivers in the NFL, whoever. 
his first three steps and his ability to get 10, 15 yards down the field in those three or four steps, it's unmatched. I mean, that is superstar acceleration. So I'm with you from that standpoint. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, nonetheless, hey, Arizona's for real. Mike, you're like proclamation about back in March about maybe four teams in the NFC West going to the playoffs. I mean, it's starting to like maybe look like it could be a real possibility uh, because they haven't even started to play each other all yet either, which is going to be interesting as we go forward. But the game itself, man, couldn't have been better. And Vance Joseph and that defense settled in on Russell Wilson that last quarter and a half overtime, and they gave them some issues schematically, physically, everything like that. So I got to give them credit along with Kyler Murray. Oh, they had the fake blitz that oh, induced Russell a lot of Wilson great to defenses. throw the interception yeah. that, 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 that gave – Arizona. I mean, it looked like it was going to be either Seattle's going to win or it's going to be a tie. Yeah. For Arizona to get the ball back late, piece together just enough to get in position to win the game. That was everything about that game was amazing. And I, I you get spoiled by games like that because you want more. You know, you you see a, you just want to inject it into your veins every time you turn on a football game. It it is a nonstop thrill ride. And yeah, it's a lot of points, but so what? It's fun to watch, and it's fun to watch two great quarterbacks. And and you know, with Kyler Murray, like how many times this year are we going to see the play? And and look, they should. I mean, it's not a criticism, but he drops back, he gets pressure, he sees a crack to his left, he slips through it, he sprints up the sideline, and he stops on a dime and steps out of bounds. I mean, I I've seen that like two or three times already this year. And and it's unstoppable. It it just comes down to he is so good. He is so fast. I said this last Monday night watching their game against the Cowboys. I put it on Twitter. He's got speed, agility, and awareness combined that we've never seen before. Yeah. You're like, what about Michael Vick? What about Lamar Jackson? They don't have the awareness this kid has. Vick got hit. Vick got hurt. Lamar Jackson gets hit. He's going to get hurt. Murray doesn't get touched no. because he knows exactly where he is. He knows exactly where everyone else is, and he knows how to hit the ground. He got hit one time, and I think this is what freaked out. One, he got hit solid one time yep. in overtime, right? and I think that's what freaked out Cliff Kingsbury and got him to send out the field goal, the one that he ultimately missed, the 41-yarder. Right. He's like, okay, enough. Let's get out of here. And when they should have taken more of overtime, when they should have gotten the ball closer and and ultimately missed the field goal and extended overtime. Well, at the very but, least, uh, you you bleed out the time to make the other team have yeah. to use their timeouts, right? That's where they messed up in that situation all altogether. Uh, but uh, it's amazing how much happened in that last two and a half minutes. It is. It really is. I mean, with three, with three you know, a field goal try that was missed, a drive that was almost in field goal range, and then a drive that ends the game with the walk off. It's and the game took like. What four hours? It was a long, but I don't game. mind. A, I, I'll right. take six hours for a game like that. Yeah, I, I, I get it. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't void of action or anything like that. Now it was void of defense at times. I'll say that. That's where I don't always love it. And again, you know, that's where it, it's going to be interesting with Seattle as we go here because it just doesn't matter who they play. You could see they have a hard time putting a game away, putting any team away. Their defense can't make plays that way. And, you know, we'll see. Jamal Adams being back, I think, would tell a different story in that football game altogether. And I even think Chris Carson losing him through the game, that hurt them as well, especially when it comes to, oh, we're up by 10 and now we need our sledgehammer to run the ball. I got to, I mean, I, Hyde is a good runner, 
and I'm not trying to take anything away from him, but Chris Carson's special in those moments. That's part of what he is too. So those, you know, those will be two different things that the Cardinals have to face the next time around. But nonetheless, I think this kind of solidifies Arizona to where one of those teams where I was like, I'm not sure, are they going to hang on here and maybe be in playoff contention or are they going to fall apart and not make it? And I think last night gives you enough evidence to go, wait, there's some fight and the toughness in the football team to where they're going to be in this in the long haul. We'll just see where it shakes out. They're 5-2 and two through seven games. Last year they were 5-10-1 through 16. So Amazing. great improvement by the Cardinals, and they're right in the thick of things. And, and you know, I, I think the big winner, we're going to talk about their game coming up, is the Buccaneers because I think they're the team now that, that you look at in the NFC is the most balanced, the most complete. No doubt. And the most likely to emerge. I, look, there's still a lot of football to be played. But as of right now, I'd say the most likely to emerge from that group of 16 teams in the NFC. The the drive that tied the game. Yeah. We saw Larry Fitzgerald do exactly the same thing that he did at the end of the first half in week one where they're they're moving, the clock is ticking, the half is almost over. In this case, the game was almost over, and they were down three points. Right. A tackle is made on a moving clock. He picks up – he grabs the ball from the teammate yeah. and sprints to the middle of the field, hands it to the official. It gets set, and they're able to get everyone in position, snap the ball, and spike it with time left on the clock. That that And I saw someone make the point last night. You know, It just shows how, how rare it is in football for guys to have a high IQ level because it's so glaring when there is a guy like Larry Fitzgerald. I mean, everyone should know that's what you do. But to be able to do it and apply it in that moment when everything else is happening around you is what makes it special. It's easy for us to say they got to set the ball, they got to snap the ball, they got to spike the ball. But when you're down there in the in the you know crux of bodies, it's it's not as easy to do. Well, and Fitzgerald yeah. is always aware of the situation, unlike any other guy that I've seen in recent years. Yeah, well, it's it's what makes great players great. They have a, a calmness and an ability to slow the game down in their mind to where, you know, they're just not flustered by the moment. The you know the scrutiny, the the intensity in the building about where they are, and yeah, you know most times most times plays like that, guys get up in a frenzy and wait. Oh, we got to clock the ball right, and they just drop the ball because they got to worry about where do I got to line up? And okay, now I've done that, but yeah, when you drop the ball, now the ref had to run another three seconds to go get that ball and flip it to his buddy and do all of that stuff. To where yeah, he's been there, done that. He doesn't lose his cool. He grabs the ball, he runs right over there, and that's it. But yeah, it's little things like that. You know, DeAndre Hopkins, some of the catches he made. You know, you get Kyler Murray, Kenyon Drake. I will, we'll see where he is, you know, but him, Chase Edmonds in the backfield. Man, they got some little duo of running backs and people you have to worry about on their offense and their defense, which is not great, but obviously made some plays last night. And we see some playmakers out there that can give Kyler Murray an extra position, possession or two. And he'll make plays and keep them in games or win games or whatever that may be. But it's not my favorite formula in the world as far as Arizona is concerned. But, damn, they're good and they know how to work it. You mentioned Kenyon Drake. He was carted off yeah. late in the game. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be very concerning. And it makes you wonder. And, and, look, they moved the trade deadline several years ago from the Tuesday after week six to the Tuesday after week eight. This is week seven that just unfolded. Will the Cardinals – they made a trade the other day to beef up their defense in Marcus Golden. Right. Will they make some sort of a deal or try to make some sort of a deal to uh, 
to to replace Kenyon Drake if it is an extended injury. I look back at their schedule, and you know they've now begun and most recently finished with wins in the division, beating the 49ers yeah. in San Francisco and then beating the Seahawks in Arizona. They beat Washington 30-15. to 15. The losses become glaring, though, when you see how good this team can be to lose to the Lions, right. to lose to the Panthers by 10 points. They turned it around after that, blew out the Jets, blew out the Cowboys. This really... Don't give me bingo for this. This is a legitimate point we're trying to make here, people. This is this is I, I and they go into their bye now and they get two weeks to piece it together. But you know, good teams win the games they're supposed to win, and 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 I, I hope they don't regret later in the year when it's time to see where everybody fits together and apply tiebreakers that that they look back on that Lions and Panthers doubleheader and say. What the hell did we do to ourselves I there? That's that's I hear you. That that's why. Listen, I'm not sold on Arizona. I know they won last night. I did. I I get it. But I just still am not. There's something about the football team in general, and I think a little bit it is probably I'm scarred by the schedule a little bit. You know, you talk about the Jets blowout. Hey, that was 17-10 in the fourth quarter. It's kind of a sneaky, not really a blowout, but we made two plays at the end of the game to make it look like that, so we all feel better about it that way. Hey, obviously whooped the crap out of the Cowboys, but had some struggles there. You know, I just I don't I don't know what it is about the football team. I guess what I'm saying really is, you know, they feasted on really some bad defenses here as of late. Uh, okay, and what I just think about, I think long term, what I worry about is, you know, again moments of staleness with their offense and just so much being on Kyler Murray having to make the play, have to make the scramble, do all of that. I just wonder if it's sustainable. That's where I, I really – I think, again, they'll get away with it a lot of the, against the middle class and those type of football teams. But, you know, I, you know, I, I just – I don't know. There's some element about their team and their style they play to where I'm just not bought in yet to go like, oh, yeah, maybe they're a playoff football team, but I don't feel like they can make a real run in the playoffs quite yet. Does that make sense? I, I, it does, and we're going to learn a lot. Get yeah. ready to put the bingo sign up again because after the bye week, they got some games Dolphins coming and now. Bills, right? yeah, right. Dolphins and Bills at Seattle, right, on a Thursday night short week, and you know the Seahawks are going to be ready for them that time. Then at the Patriots, finally the Rams, the yeah. next five games for them. Right. Although at the Patriots, not as daunting as it uh, may have previously seemed. We'll be talking about that as well coming up. For now, Chris, last thing from last night's game. The DK Metcalf play. Running down Buda Baker. Buda Baker makes the interception that in any other situation is a pick six. Nobody's touching the defensive back when he's got a head of steam, grabs the flat pass, takes off the other way. It's always a pick six. Right except when DK Metcalf is on the field and he came out of nowhere and it became obvious he was going to catch Buda Baker. And you could tell from Buda Baker's body language. He's like, Oh my God, really? This guy's here. He's there. He's going to get me. And he got him. I mean, look at this. Here comes 14 and it's just inevitable. He runs right by Russell Wilson. Russell just gave up right there, man. That's a fast And dot. my goodness dragged him down and they ended up not scoring anything on yeah. that drive. Yeah. Right. Nothing, nothing. So no, I know. Well, that was an egregious interception. You know, really, Russell Wilson's first two, in, you know, his ter- first two interceptions were egregious last night, but they were followed up by Arizona not kicking the field goal there. So they lost seven points in that scenario. And then 
Russell Wilson with the other interceptions. He scrambled to, to his right, I think, early in the fourth quarter or whatever that was. Hey, then Kyler Murray let him off the hook and threw an interception the next play either way. But DK Metcalf, I, I mean, yeah, it's him, you know, Tyree Kill, Terry McLaurin. There's only like a handful of guys in football that are going to chase down Buda Baker. Buda Baker, it's not like he's slow. He can run. You know, so that was special. I mean, the way he turns it on and his knees start going up in the air and he starts high-stepping to run after people, wow. But the bigger thing is this, Mike. Where the hell was he the other 70 minutes of the football game? That's what I don't understand with the Seattle last night. Why Why did we wait till overtime to throw him to a, scr a screen? Like, why wasn't he given a reverse and had seven screens at that point? What? That, that, to me, was a little troubling. As the game went on, it really seemed like Vance Joseph in Arizona started to lock down what Seattle wanted to do. And I'll be interested to watch that film and everything like well, that, but I'm shocked that he was kind of muted like that that way. Tyler Lockett had 200 yards, yeah, too, though. So I know. Uh, Russell Wilson was taking what was there. Right. But you're right. At a certain point, there are ways to design plays to get the ball to DK Metcalf. And maybe that's where they're at in the evolution of his career. He's a guy that you have to design plays to get him the ball because he, he look, we saw it in their last game two weeks ago, the Sunday night game against the Vikings. He, he, he had that mentality. I want to win the game. Get me the ball. Yeah. And, and I thought we saw that until the David Moore holding penalty called it back. Right. But yeah, get that guy the ball and let him do his thing because once he gets going, no one can catch him. All right. We have a, an, an Atlanta meme, I guess, because the Falcons blew their... Or the Seahawks rather blew a ten point lead. What do we got? Oh, oh, oh that's right. it. That's oh, I, it. This, I've seen memes of quarter. all this. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's good. I like that. And hey, speaking of blown leads, Kyle Murray. And this is a highly specific stat, but I'm always I'm always fascinated by this. The NFL research Twitter feed. I noticed this earlier today. Kyler Murray is only the second quarterback ever to throw three or more touchdown passes and erase a 10-point fourth-quarter deficit when facing Russell Wilson. Do you know who the other was? Ooh, well, all right. So, wait, he's the only one. There's only one other, that's it? Only one other. Three or more touchdown passes for the game and erasing a 10-point fourth-quarter deficit against Russell Wilson. Well, that would be Super Bowl Forty Nine and Tom Brady. Exactly. Right, yes. Exactly. Right. That's yeah. the only other time it's happened. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Now, I guess that counts as a win for the trivia question. You get the first pick in the Sunday surprise draft later. But before we get there, let's change gears to the game that allowed the Steelers, when combined with Cardinals Seahawks, to be the last remaining unbeaten team in the NFL at 6-0. and For the first time in 42 years, when Tony Dungy was a rookie on the Pittsburgh Steelers and led the Steelers in interceptions, you know, it's funny. He was far more humble about it in rehearsal than during the show. Oh, yeah, he, you're in, right. In, in, in rehearsal, I think he actually didn't know he led the team in receptions right, that year. Once right. Mike Tirico told him, I saw a little bit of nostalgia come through for Tony. Hey, Tony, it's okay. Yeah. Be proud. Yeah, he be should proud be. to think of all those guys on that team, Mel Blunt, Donnie Shell, and this guy and that guy, Hall of Famers. Hell, he led that team in interceptions. Take it and run with it. That's why I wasn't sure if he really knew. That's why you're right. In rehearsal, when he when he said it, I was like, maybe he didn't know all those great players. I don't players. think he maybe knew. He was surprised as well. But uh, yeah, that's a pretty damn good one. Anytime you lead any statistical category on the steel curtain defense, uh, you're you're a pretty damn good player. So they get it done yesterday against the Tennessee Titans, and uh, you know, I, big picture. Yeah. Which team did we learn more about? 
I think watching. Pittsburgh. I think so. we learned something about both of them. We though. did. You're I think right. we learned something about both. Agreed. Start with Pittsburgh. I, I I think we did. I think we learned Pittsburgh first off that defense. This was like a complete offense we had to see. Now I know they let them back in the game, but I mean that was a dominant first half to an offense that has no weakness at all. I mean Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill, they couldn't do anything in the first half. So I think you know again that just spotlights them to go oh. You know, no matter how hot you think your running game is, you're going to play the Pittsburgh Steelers. You better think you better find some other way because you're not just going to run the ball in Pittsburgh. And I think the thing I learned more than anything, Mike, was just Big Ben in the offense. You know, I think it's it's the second week in a row we're seeing where, you know, the short passing game and the run game, they're really good at it. They use the short passing game as kind of a de facto run game because they're not they're they're still getting better at it. But able to control the ball, stay on the field, be efficient that way, I think that was the big thing we, at least I wanted to see from Pittsburgh from that standpoint. And, man, third downs and some of the drives they put together yesterday were very impressive. Yeah, and look, it was all about stopping the run again. I spoke to TJ Watt after the game, and he echoed what Cam Hayward said last week about the Browns. When you're facing a team with a running attack like that, you have to stop the run, and yep. you know that takes steam out of the play-action passing game. And also, it was a point of pride for the Steelers to to go out there, especially in the first half, and keep Derrick Henry out of the secondary. That was the goal, and it worked until it didn't. I mean, in the second half, any other year, Titans down 27-7, they're done. It's yeah. over. Put a Not fork in them. And, and that's what I think we learned about the Titans, even yeah. in defeat. It's never over. They're never going to give up, and they're built to erase deficits. And they erased that deficit. And uh, you know, I it just it it. I think last year, the year before, I mean, they, they were just a team where once you had them down, it was done for the most part. Not yesterday. Not against a great team like the Steelers. So, you know, I think they can they can carry that away. Yep. To the extent that Mike Vrabel's looking for something that he can use to to stoke his team in a positive direction, there's plenty. There's that's there that he could he could point to that's negative to try to reinforce messages that way. But the positive is they didn't give up, they didn't quit, and that will serve them well later in the year and in the postseason. Yeah, no, it definitely will. I, I mean, it, it at least gives them the confidence to go, wait, we're down by 20, we're down by 17. Well, we got the drop-back pass game that can do it. We don't need just to be Derrick Henry, balanced offense, play action passes, do all those things. They do not. They have a very impressive drop-back pass game. We know with some of those receivers, Adam Humphreys, Corey Davis, back in the lineup to go with A.J. Brown and company yesterday. There's a lot to defend there. So I do think there is some confidence there to be had, certainly. Uh, you know, they 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 ran into a team who I think wanted to prove a point yesterday, too, in Pittsburgh. I do. I think Pittsburgh had this marked on their calendar a little bit like, you know, hey, you know, yeah, everybody, Tennessee, they're the big, bad football team. Cool. But uh, um, we're the Pittsburgh Steelers, and we're still a force to be reckoned with here. I think this was kind of their coming out party. Take notice of us. We are for real. Because even with the game and the comeback the Titans made, you know, Mike, think about this too. Before the half, the stupid interception by Big Ben, they're in field goal territory. I mean, at halftime, what was it, 24-7? to It should have been 27-7. to and then, you know, of course, that would have led to 30-7 to instead of 27-7. to We'll see where that goes, whatever. I know that. But even the bad interception in the fourth quarter down the middle, that was another field goal opportunity. So Pittsburgh, just like you say with Tennessee, they'll be able to take positives. Pittsburgh's going to be able to take it, go away from the game and go, well, we should have won this game by 10, by 14, by 17, too. Um, 
I'll be excited to watch a rematch. I think both of these teams are here to stay. I wouldn't be shocked if we saw this in the AFC Championship game. Would not be shocking. And I think one of the things that's happened with the Steelers, they, they fight and scratch and claw against teams that were clearly inferior to them early on. But the thing is, when you come out of that game with the win, that, that gives you a little something. It gives you a little boost. It gives you a little swagger. And it builds on itself. And then you finally get a chance to play a team that is supposedly good in the Browns, yeah. although they, they found a way to redeem themselves yesterday, and you, you beat the crap out of them. Now you're feeling even better about yourself. See, that's the thing. Teams get better and teams get worse. They never stay the same. So whatever the Steelers were the first few weeks when they were trying to find their sea legs, they found them. And they blow out the Browns. They go to Tennessee and beat an unbeaten team. And and now here we go. And oh, oh, by the way, oh yeah, Baltimore. Baltimore is coming here. Bingo. Yeah. At Baltimore. And and while we're perusing the remainder of the Steelers schedule, yeah. other than the two games against Baltimore, right. And a trip to Buffalo week 14. It's fairly easy, right? Hey, two games against the Bengals, Washington, <laughs> Jacksonville. Indianapolis, we're not quite sure who they are. That's right. later in the year. Uh, this Steelers team, with with s six wins in the bank to start the season and ten games left, I mean, no, watch I, out, watch out. Thirteen and three. I, I'm looking at this schedule. Thirteen and three isn't just reasonable. Thirteen and three, based on how they played so far this year, you could say is worst case for the Steelers. Based on what we've seen so far this year. Well, you know, it's all subject yeah. to change. But yeah. here's the thing. Right. Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin is not going to let them look at the crap they went through last year. And I I think that they are now reaping the benefits, Chris. Sure. Of believing, of holding it together, of fighting through adversity. Because this year, the adversity is not there like it was last year. Definitely because not. they have a quarterback. And, and I think they learned a lot about themselves last year that is going to cause them to stay focused and keep taking these teams down one after another after another. And even if they should lose at Baltimore next week, which is arguably the toughest game left for them on the schedule, even if they lose that game, they're they're not gonna they're, they're gonna they're they're just gonna keep going. And yeah. Tomlin will will force them to keep going. Uh, th this this is a this yeah. is a team that is they're gonna a Super be there. Bowl contender. There's, they're gonna be there. Yeah. No, I'm not saying they're gonna be in the Super Bowl. No, but you're there. They're one of them. The last few. No, but I'm saying they're yeah they're down that short list of teams where you're willing to say right now. They could win the Super Bowl. Like, there's no, you know, um, we're sitting here. I have no problem saying that. We're sitting here week seven NFL season right now. I, I can tell you that Pittsburgh's in that small group of teams that you go, they can win the Super Bowl. You know, yeah. I mean, we, you know, we could sit here and name them off right now. I don't know. I mean, yeah. Right now, just how do you feel comfortable? I feel comfortable Tennessee could win a Super Bowl. Pittsburgh could win a Super Bowl. Kansas City and Baltimore in the AFC. And the NFC. And Tampa. And then, well, in the NFC, yeah, I was going to go over there. I'm going to go Tampa for sure. No doubt about it. And, you know, yes, Seattle and New Orleans. I'm going to throw them in there as well. But and Tampa and New Orleans. I'm I'm not ready, and, and I'm not the, ready to run all the 49ers yet either. I'm not ready. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I'm not not yeah. not, not we'll my Kyle, them next. Kyle Shanahan. He's got them going. But, but our point is, we like what we see from Pittsburgh, and they are legit. And I think the big thing is to me, Mike, more than anything, and and you know, it just seems like 
We knew the defense was good. They've worked out some of the kinks where they let some teams hang around early on in the year and all that. But it's really Big Ben, Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson coming back. James Conner and the offensive line have all just come together here just recently, ever since the Eagles game three weeks ago. And I think that gave me a different feel about their team altogether where I just started to go, oh, wait, all right. They got a few ways they can beat you now. You know, the defense, the run game, the screens, the deep passes. They got a little of everything to throw at you now, and that's where they're dangerous. And uh, I'm with you. I mean, it sounds like you've traded in purple for black and yellow, black and yellow, black and yellow. No. no oh, I'm, bull I'm crap. Just, bull crap. You're I'm enjoying. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just enjoying the season. Yeah. And here's the thing. With Ben Roethlisberger, you know, even though he wasn't perfect yesterday, he is keenly aware of his legacy. Yep. At one point before the season, he spoke of an aspiration to win Super Bowls, multiple Super Bowls. I mean, think about it. He's pushing 40. But there's an urgency there. The team is so much better this year, and I think – what they went through last year really has helped Agreed, them Mike. reach the level that they're at. You're right. And they're just going to keep pushing and pushing. We'll keep pushing through what happened yesterday. Chris mentioned the 49ers. What went right for them, and more importantly, what went wrong for the New England Patriots in one of the ugliest games of the day? We'll talk about that more when PFC Live continues right after this. Well, we, uh, you know, didn't, didn't do enough of anything tonight, really, to – be competitive. Um, they're clearly out coached, outplayed, just out everything. So we need to just keep working here and find a way to just do everything better. Um, just not not performing at a at a good level at all right now in any area. Bill Belichick, kind of in a weird sort of a way, with a. a, a, a an indirect reference to Hamilton, although I doubt he wasn't he wasn't doing that. It sounded like when they're rattling off outgunned, outmanned, outnumbered, outplanned. They're out they are out everything though. Yeah. In New England. And I foolishly thought they'd they'd find a way to win the game. It's one of those where you're influenced by the past, you're influenced by the helmet, you're influenced by the coach. Yep. You're influenced by everything but you sh- but what you should be. The team right now isn't very good. And Something happened. Something not. Something like pulled the plug on them when yeah. when Cam Newton tested positive. Well, yeah, that's you know? what it pulled it. COVID pulled it. I mean, you know, Cam, yeah. him getting that right. It but threw- they can't get it back. No. Whatever it was they had going on, they can't get it back now. No, they they've certainly not. I mean, you know, they had it for the Kansas City Chiefs game, right? But they didn't have him, so they blew that opportunity. And then. Yeah, they played horrible last week. We know that. And, then, hey, it was a tough week, and they got all the no-practice excuses and all that. So here they bar back in the, you know, okay, hey, it's a good week, and I hear you. I expected to be a close football game too, you know. But I, I did pick the, the, the 49ers because the Patriots have issues on their team. They have to play a certain way. The game has to fall a certain way. And their biggest issue is they lack big people on their defense. And Shanahan just exposed them in the run game in the first half. You know, Bill wants to put all these safeties and linebackers and get them in the box, and he wants to scare you with numbers to where you go, well, I'm not going to run the ball. There's seven guys in the box. And then they all drop out, and you're screwed. You're like, oh, man. You know, Shanahan said, oh, no, the hell, you want to cram them all in there? Well, we'll help you cram them all in there even more. And, oh, speed sweep and toss crack and everything like that. And then they just ran right at them, let alone with the New England mistakes. It was a tough matchup for the Patriots. And the 49ers have pulled a 180 since that Dolphins game. They've gotten healthy, and they really got it going. 
and New England is in Strugglesville right now. There's no doubt. I I don't know. We'll see where it goes. I'm not giving up on them yet. I, I still think they can be a player in the AFC as far as the playoffs are concerned. I do. I just uh, Terminator. They, yeah. But Terminator. We'll, we'll see where it goes. Are you buying that, or you, got, you think it's you, all you over it. here? You've got to kill the Terminator. Yeah. And if, if you are the Ravens, the Chiefs, the Titans, the Steelers – you you are rooting hard for the Bills next week when they get their first crack at the Patriots because you've got to kill them. You've got to keep them out of the playoffs. This is a team that can get better. This this is you know in in kind of the same way that the Bucks losing to the Bears even though it was only a 1 point loss, it sparked so much criticism of Tom Brady. Yeah. It reminded me of the Monday night game from 6 years ago. The on to Cincinnati game, right? The loss in Kansas City, right? And and I don't know is yesterday the equivalent for the Patriots? We'll see. We'll see how they re- respond and react. I don't know that Cam Newton is wired to respond and react the same way Tom Brady does. The, we're going to learn a lot about Cam Newton coming yep. back from this one. We've we seen him ride the highs and we've seen him sulk through the lows, and now they're in the lows. And what's going to happen? He got yanked yesterday for Jarrett Stidham. So he's still the guy. He's still the guy for the Patriots. But uh, how long will that be the case? Let's hear from Cam Newton after yesterday's very difficult game against the 49ers. You know, I can't speak for everybody. Um, you know, I just stick to the man in the mirror, and um, I wasn't good enough. You know, I didn't. I didn't. And not no way, shape, form did I put this team in a position to compete. And you know, that's inexcusable. This is the National Football League where. You know, a lot is put on the quarterback, and, 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 you know, I have to deliver, and I haven't done that. And, um, you know, quite frankly, you know, it's evident. So, you know, here moving forward, you know, I know what the issue is, like I just said, and, you know, I just have to be better. You know, it's funny, and this isn't specific to Cam Newton. We see this and hear this all the time, especially in the offseason when everyone is zero and zero where the, you, you get that bravado and you get guys that are fired up and you get guys that are looking forward to the season. And then things like this inevitably happen. Yeah. It's the old Mike Tyson line. Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Right. We're seeing the Patriots repeatedly get punched in the mouth now. And Cam Newton's got to deal with that. And and they just are. And and here's what – I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I'm thinking about this Patriots-Bills game next weekend. And, damn it, I'm going to end up picking the Patriots. I'm well, going to end they up match picking up, them again. They match up much better with the Bills than they do the San Francisco 49ers. You know, it's again, it's a game of matchups. The Bills can't stop the run. That bodes well for the Patriots. The Bills can't run the football themselves. That bodes well for the Patriots. They want you to throw it every play. So it's a different matchup, and that's where the NFL is awesome. You know, it's not like college football where you just go, well, this team's number one and this team's number 17. Number one usually always wins against 17. No, not in the NFL, not with the salary cap and free agency as close as things are. You know, matchups do matter that way. New England has to play a certain style of football. That's what we see from them. You know, when they get down – just like these last two weeks, it's tough on them. They're not talented enough at the receiver position to get in a shootout or be down 23-3 to to the 49ers or anything like that. You know, the game was 10-3, to and you're going, okay, yep, 49ers look better. There's no doubt. But, okay, you know, New England looks like they might be able to hang around. And then he threw the interception, and now it's all of a sudden it's 17 or 16-3 to because they missed the extra point. And you went, uh-oh. 
And now that put him in a little bit of a, we got to start maybe pushing the envelope to throw the football a little and do all that. And then what happened after that? 49ers scored another one. And then it was, oh, well, crap, 20 points. You're not, you know, they're not going to come back to a 20-point lead against the San Francisco 49ers. They want to play defense, run the ball, right? Control the clock that way. That'll help get some people open in the pass game. He'll make a few throws that way. And, you know, Bill will try to work magic with his secondary and things on that side of the ball. And that never had a chance except for early in the game yesterday. And then they got blown off the field. They have finished with a winning record every season since 2001. Even yeah. the years they didn't make the playoffs. 2002 they were 9 and 7, 2008 they were 11 and 5. They they were 5 and 11 in Bill Belichick's first season of 2000. And they haven't been worse than 5 and 11 since Dick McPherson's Patriots in 1992 which were 2 and 14. That was 2 years after Rod Rust and company went 1 and 15. And and look they're not going to finish two and fourteen. They're probably not going to finish five and eleven. But right now, that's the thing. When you get in the middle of one of these things and you you've lost three in a row, and it feels like no matter what you do, it's not working. It's it's hard to envision a future where it's well, any it's different. Tough. Yeah, it's tough, right? And, well, I mean, the, the, I was I was just going to say, like, you know, we know their lack of weapons already, and then you know, Julian Edelman's not healthy, right? Sony Michelle's not healthy. They've had other injuries at the the running back position. You know, last year at least Philip Dorsett was there too. He's not there, so they've really put it on like all about Cam Newton in the run game has to kind of carry the team. And as we've seen, when they've had to play games where it's kind of gotten out of that mold, they can't hang in that way. Hey, and uh, bingo time. At the Bills, at the Jets, Ravens on a Sunday night, Whoa. at the Texans, and then the Cardinals. So if they're going to turn it around. Now's the time. Now's the opportunity. If you want to change people's minds, you got to do it this weekend against Buffalo Bills. 49ers are changing minds. And, well, hey, there's the proof that it can happen for the Patriots. I mean, they, they lose at home on, on a Sunday night to the Eagles, and then they get blown off the field a week later at home by the Dolphins. Yep. We all throw in the towel on the 49ers, and – they wake it up. They beat the Rams in prime time. They beat the Patriots on the road. They're 2-0 and in the seven-game death march, Chris. What happened right for the 49ers yesterday? Well, the Shanahan special, I mean, again, you know, Mike, you and I have talked about this. I, I don't think anybody can match wits better with Bill Belichick in football other than Kyle Shanahan. You know, I mean, again, usually when Bill loses a game, he, like, shakes the guy's hand and runs off the field. I don't know if you were watching the end of the game yesterday. He shook Kyle Shanahan's hand and pulled him closer and wanted to talk to him for a minute and all that because he he knows, damn, this guy does to me things schematically that I haven't thought about or nobody's done that to me and those issues. So Shanahan's been phenomenal. I mean, last week he just served up the game for Jimmy Garoppolo on a silver platter. This week it was all about run game and all those things, and they're getting healthy. You see they got two studs at receiver. Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk are playmakers. And then you talk about whatever running backs in there, runs for yards. George Kittle's the best tight end in football. And I think the biggest thing is, even though there's no Bosa uh, and D Ford, they still got a lot of really damn good defense alignment. They might not be household names, but they still got about six to eight bodies that are really good football players to go along with those two damn awesome middle linebackers and that makes them tough to deal with. So I, the 49ers, let's let's not count them out. I think they reminded us all yesterday, hey, we might not be the one seed this year, 
But we're going to have a say in this when it's all said and done. And the stat sheet every week, it's amazing the names that right? pop up. Right? Right. Jeff Wilson, 112 rushing <laughs> yards. Now he ended up getting injured. He had three touchdowns. You got Brandon Ayuk with 115 receiving yards. It's it's just amazing how he always can plug in whoever's around. They know the offense. They're well coached. They know the system. And, you know, I had a weird vision of the future when you mentioned Bill Belichick embracing Kyle Shanahan. There's been a lot of speculation about Bill Belichick staying in football but not being a head coach at some point. He's going to be 70 before too long. Can he continue to be a head coach? Some people think he's going to go into one of those roles like we saw with Bill Parcells, yeah. the idea of the executive EP of football operations, right. and maybe his son's the head coach. But, you know, former coaches, I think, have a hard time not coaching. What if what if Bill Belichick at some point ends up just being Kyle Shanahan's defensive coordinator? You go back to you don't have all the crap you got to deal with as a head coach. You can just construct a defense. I just had that weird vision well, that, that maybe that's an option. You kind of go back to the future. You go back to your old days where life is simpler and you can just you can just run a defense and you know the offense will be fine. Well, that would be amazing. I mean, I think Kyle would sign up for that. No disrespect to Robert Sala, who's a great defensive coordinator himself, but it is Bill Belichick. There's obviously a common respect there. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, even to your front office point, I mean, I think that would be the kind of guy he would want to be the front office guy for as far as a coach is concerned, would be like a Kyle Shanahan, that kind of guy. And Kyle, I mean, how it doesn't get any better than that. Hey, Mike Shanahan's in this office. Bill Belichick's in this office. John Lynch is in this office. How can we not build the perfect damn team? Um, but, you know, again, I think it speaks a lot to the 49ers, the character of the football team, Shanahan, the guys he's drafted and signed as free agents. You know, they they weathered the storm. They let that Eagles loss become a second loss, like we've talked about. It filtered over into that Dolphins game. But they got it straightened up, and uh, I think they will from here on out, as long as they can get rid of this injury bug. I mean, damn, can they keep a running back healthy for more than three quarters? Uh, that's the only thing I'm worried about with them right now. Let's hear from Kyle Shanahan on beating a Bill Belichick coach team. Going against a good defense is always a challenge. I mean, it's you always enjoy the challenge going against someone like Bill, how good he is and how good their team is. But, um, you know, I, I just got so much respect for him that anytime you can play well against a team coached by him, I mean, it, it, it means a lot. So um, but it wasn't that tough from my perspective. Yeah, great day for the 49ers. And again, another reason to believe the NFC West will have three, maybe four Same. teams in the playoffs. Yeah. By the time it's all said and done, let's take a break. we got plenty more to get to over the course of the next hour or so. We'll be back with more PFT Live right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. I do like the way our, our guys um, compete out there and work and practice. And, you know, there were some things that, that, that Scotty thought we could do uh, with the group of guys we had. Um, you know, we tried to spread the ball around. We, you know, the tight end was effective for us today. Uh, Terry had a really good day. I mean, he, it, it was an excellent game to watch, and, and he played very well. Very happy for Terry. Um, you know, and, and, and we just have, you know, guys that are going to go out and compete and do the best they can, and we'll see how it goes. Ron, what was your impression of the hit by John Bostic on Andy Dalton? You know, I got to see it on tape. I, I saw it. Um, you know, you, you'd like to tell John he's got to be smarter than that because he's a veteran guy that knows, you know, and it's unfortunate because, you know, we had a three and out right there and they'd had the punt. Um, you know, we'd gotten the ball back sooner. But, you know, it, John's a, a savvy veteran guy. And, you know, that's a mistake, you know, that, that he shouldn't make. And, you know, it's unfortunate. And, and unfortunately enough for us, it didn't hurt us. How important was it to get this win, Ron? I think it's very important, especially with the fact that we have another division opponent coming up after the bye. Um, and it's an opportunity for us to, you know, hopefully hunker in uh, and play well and see what happens and, and, you know, come out on the on the right side of that. You know, we can be right in the thick of what's going on in our division. You know, we have one of the tiebreakers right now over the team that's leading the division, um, although they got a half game lead on us. So who knows? Uh, and again, we'll, we'll see. We'll compete and we'll work hard <coughs> and try and get things done. We speak all the time about playing for one another, you know, protecting one another. Um, so, yeah, d definitely, it was it was probably not the response that you would expect. It's Mike McCarthy, coach of the Dallas Cowboys, and uh, just a strange season for them. Strange day yesterday in Washington, and the the Andy Dalton hit. And uh, I don't know if specifically McCarthy was talking about the response of the players to the hit or the response to the team in general what happened to them on Monday night. I know Rodney Harrison was very critical about the fact that no Cowboys players rushed to the defense a of Andy weird. Dalton after John Bostick blew him up. And, and you know, you, here's the thing, though. you got so many backups on the field. Like, it's not like you've got – You're right about that. You're, you know, you you get you got, to get you got a bunch of guys out there that still are trying to figure out where they're supposed to be. And what do I do in a situation like this? Like, I barely know this guy, and I don't even know this guy next to me, and I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And yeah. they tell us all the time, don't go hit somebody. You're going to give up 15 yards of field position. What do you do in that spot? So I, I don't know that it's a broader indictment on the lack of some sort of heart or, or will or drive. They're just not very good, and they got a bunch of guys out there who shouldn't be out on the field, and I think they don't know what they're doing. Well, I, I think that's a very fair point, Mike. I really do. I mean, you're right. First off, you always get like yelled at and preached to, don't be, you know, don't start the fight, don't do this, don't cost us a penalty, whatever else. But I think you're right. I mean, if Tyrone Smith and Zach Martin and Lyle Collins are all out there and there's that bond with them themselves and, of course, they're alphas and stars in the league and all that, there probably is a fight after the game. The other thing that I think really gets lost in translation here, it was such a violent big-time hit. 
that I think everybody forgot about, oh, I want to be angry at this guy. It was a little bit like, damn, is no, I'm not trying to be funny. Is he alive? Like, I mean, we got to check on the damn quarterback here. He just literally almost got his head knocked off. So I think there was a legit concern about him that kind of erased like the anger of John Bostic. Because you see guys on the football, Washington too, who were in the hit, they like their hands go to their mouth and their eyes like, oh my gosh. Like, so I think there was a little bit of a fearful moment too that played into that where it didn't allow them to get angry or defensive that way because they were worried about the guy. I think that's a good point too because you're right. It changes everything when the guy's motionless. If he gets up, then you can then yeah. you know okay he's okay right. let's go take care of this guy who did this but a lot of factors that go into it i i think it's 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 difficult to to just make a broad negative conclusion about the cowboys and about their relationship with andy dalton or whatever the case may be because they didn't they didn't go beat up john bostick no. uh, as to andy dalton concussion flew home with the team he'll have to clear the protocols to practice and to play and next sunday night it's the eagles and it's Ben DiNucci and Garrett Gilbert. That's your depth chart at quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys if Dalton can't play, Chris. Yeah, well, I mean, the Cowboys stink, all right? So there's no other way to say that. I mean, they they were dominated yesterday. Half game out of first place I know. in the NFC yeah, East. Yeah, we'll, we'll see where it goes. I'm not I'm not putting any stock into it. I'd be shocked if they beat the Eagles this week and all that. I mean, there, there's yeah, there's just too many issues across the roster. And what what is there to really look at right now? You know, again, I think for the second week in a row here – We've realized Dak Prescott is a little bit better than everybody wanted to give him credit for. There's something about having that guy in your locker room where the rest of the team goes, damn, we're going to be okay today. I mean, I don't know if we're going to win, but we're going to be in the game because number four is out there. Oh, number four is in the huddle. We're down by 17. It's all right. Big deal. You know, that's where Dak Prescott and great quarterbacks give the team confidence that way. They fool you into thinking you're better than you are because he makes plays and never, you know, and never flustered and all that. I think for two weeks in a row, you're seeing lack of leadership, lack of intensity, lack of belief by a team, and that's because number four is not out there. I just want all those people out there, well, maybe we shouldn't sign them and just go with Andy Dalton. The $7 million contract will be just as good. Yeah, screw off. You were wrong. Sorry, you were wrong by a lot. I had to Quick defend him. I just bothered out. me. Sorry. Quick question yeah. on the way out for yeah. this hour. Yeah. Will they fire Mike McCarthy after one year? Should they fire McCarthy after one year? The way, oh, I don't want to say question. that. I'd like to judge it a little bit longer here. This is a very tough circumstance that he took over, but the way it looks right now, he's he's flirting with that. He's flirting with that conversation being very real in December. All right, we're going to take a quick break. A full hour of PFD Live still to come. Superlative next. We'll be right back. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 